Good morning. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Moed Katan Ches, and we're starting seven or eight lines down on Ches and at Amar Mar. Yesterday, we had learned a pasuk um, that reads Uviyom Heroospo Basar Chayitma, a pasuk that speaks about um, the day in which a mitzora shows their nega to a coin, and we had made the following drasha Amar Mar Yesh. There are some days that the coin will look at the nega of someone who had, potentially has tzaraz. And there are some days that you don't look at the nega, that the coin doesn't look. My mashma, where were we able to learn this from in the Pasuk? Says the Gemara, The Pasuk only needed to say, not And therefore, because there's an extra vav, my uviyom, shmaminoa, on the extra letter Vav in the Pasuk, the Brisa was able to learn out that there are times that a Kohen would look at a Nega, and a time that a Kohen would say, I'm not looking at the Nega today. As we saw yesterday, an example of this would be a Chasam that he can have, is Shavayimei Mishta, without it being interrupted by Tzaraz, even though he, technically speaking, might have Tzaraz. But as we learned, a person can't become a Mitzorah without a Kohen saying, you are a Mitzorah. So he just wouldn't pass in during that time period. So that is the answer of Abaye. Rafa Amar, Kula Kroyaserahi, the whole word Uviyom is extra. Zim Kain, Lichtov Rachmana, Uveheraos. What does that say at all? On the day that you show, just say, when you show it, show it to a Kohen. Doesn't have to say Uviyom. And therefore, my uviyom, the whole word, not just the vav, the whole word is extra. Shmamina, yeshyom yeshyom So each of them have established their baseline shita. Uh, Abaye learns it from the letter vav of uviyom, and Rava learns it from the whole word. Of course, this is going to generate a back and forth, a shaklavataria, and the Gemara of how each of them deals with the other person's opinion. Because if you have the, the word biyom, which is the difference between them. Yom is a very important day in halacha, often indicating that something can only be done during the day. So says the Gemara, Abaye, how does Abaye look at Rava's perspective that the word, the whole word, Yom is extra? No, the letter Vav is extra. That's true. And therefore we can learn that there are sometimes that a coin looks at a nega, and sometimes he doesn't. However, the word Yom is needed for uh, teaching us that a Kohen can look at a nega only during the day and not at night. The Rava. But according to Rava, if there is such a din of the Kohen only looking at a nega during the day, if the word of Yom, the full word of Yom for Rava is coming to teach us that there are times that a Kohen looks at a nega and times that he doesn't, then where does he learn the din that a Kohen is not allowed to look at a nega during the day? So answers the Gemara, third of the way down, Nafkale. There's another passage that speaks about what the coin is able to see with his own eyes. And that implies with his own eyes, but not with the assistance of light. What is, if that's true, that that passage can teach us that a coin is allowed to, is only allowed to look at a nega during daylight hours. If that passage indicates that, then why didn't Abaye use it? So that Abaye says that that comes to exclude a coin who's blind in one eye, comes to exclude him from uh, from being a coin in this area. 
Okay. Virava mi baile lahachi. Virava nami mi baile lahachi. You should need the same pasuk for the same thing to teach us that going with one eye is uh, is uh, problematic. You're absolutely right. So if that's true, then where does Rava learn day versus night from? Nafkale mikin nega nearly babais. That there is a nega that appears to me in the house. Li directly to my eyes, but not with the assistance of light. What does Abaye say to that mood? If I had learned the idea of Yom versus Laila from a Pasuk that speaks about a nega and a bias, then that maybe that's only true for a nega that's not on a person's body, that's a nega on a person's house. Maybe I would have assumed that it had it been that the Kohen was looking at a nega on a person's body, then maybe then Allah would be different that I feel the Oronami, that a person can be checked by a coin even at night with the assistance of light, Komash Malon, that that's not true. So each of them in their own ways, Abayi and Rava, um, arguing over the nuances of what to make a drasha from where. But nevertheless, the conclusion of the Gemara is the same. We had started off by quoting a part of the Brayta that a Kohen at some times would look at a nega and sometimes he would not. Um, and uh, that remains true for both of them. The Mishnah opens up with um, some strange cases, but as we'll soon see, those strange cases are from a are from a whole point of simcha. We know that there's a mitzvah d'oraisa of simcha on uh, on the chag, and this whole nosech the moed katan is speaking about the smaller moed, which is chol hamoed, and we have to see how some of the activities that one would do would interplay with chol hamoed, and in this case, we're going to focus in on this the aspects of simcha. New Mishnah writes, A person is allowed to exhume the bodies of his parents and move them to a family plot because that's considered a simcha for him, even though it's cholamoid. What does that mean? It's a simcha. It doesn't sound like a simcha thing. It's very hard to understand to start with. This is a period of mourning for him to do such a thing, to move a family's loved ones from one location of burial to another. Next, the second part of the Mishnah, a person should not um, be to had, say a hespit in a way uh, during the 30 days beyond burial. Saying that after the person has been buried, they may have had a spade in, but during the 30 days, you don't do an extra vigil, an extra program that speaks um, to a person's loss within 30 days of a holiday, we don't do extra speed. Says the Gemara, challenging the first din of the Mishnah, that when one moves uh, the mason, uh, their loved ones, a mother or a father, that that's considered a simcha for him. There's no simcha involved in that. How can the Tanakhama be of the opinion that there's some simcha involved? And then the Gemara says, and uh, at night there should be uh, no avelos for them. This is true, even if the person is uh, still in their tachrichen. Uh, this is a much different painted picture than the Mishnah. Our Mishnah seems to indicate that one has a, an element of simcha, yet this price just doesn't have that at all. It seems that it's completely usher. Just says the Gemara, this is a shocking piece of Gemara. 
the Gemara says that a person's simcha yontif, simcha sachai, will be so great that even when they are doing something as difficult as moving the bones of one's father or mother to bury them into a family plot, even so, the simcha yontif is stronger. So I know, can speak for myself. This level of simcha saregel is uh, is a high level. <laughs> it's not normal, uh, but it does at least give us a bar to look at for what simcha saregel should be. It's not casual. It's not stam. It's not only about the fine the time we get with our families, though. The yenu that's worthwhile. There's a lofty level that we should be pining for, which is to have simcha saregel that's so tremendous that even when one is doing something as melancholy as moving a body, there's still a simcha saregel that's overwhelmingly strong, unbelievable. Eight lines from the bottom above of chesed aleph at the two dots. <clears throat> Says the Gemara below Yara al Mesa. He said that one should not have these uh, inspiring types of hespedim. My lo Yara al Mesa. So Amar Rab kad hadar saftan of the Ma'araba. When their person would get a um, a saftan, our person was like a professional eulogizer. Amre yivkon imei They would say, everyone should cry with him, those who are of the bitter heart. Says the Gemara at the next two dots, kodem haregel shloshim yom. We said that within 30 days it should not be done. Maishna shloshim yom. What, what is the parameter of 30 days? It says the Gemara, says the Gemara five lines from the bottom, amarav ka'ana, amarav yehuda marav. There's a story about a man. He raised a lot of money. He stored up money in a bank account. And he and his wife were going to move to Eretz Yisrael. And this very inspiring Saftan, a person who uh, was very good at his job. And he was uh, speaking about uh, someone who had died and he evoked some very strong emotions. Untaltan Ishto and she took the money that she had collected, that she and her husband had collected to move to Eretz Yisrael. So she gave the money to the Satan, and then they didn't have any money to go to Eretz Yisrael. At that time, Amr the Chachamim said, That's not the appropriate uh, time frame to do that because it could generate uh, the emotions for one who would be focused on Eretz Yisrael to give the money to the Safta. So therefore, we don't do this prior to uh, 30 days prior to a trip. And says the Gemara, <clears throat> that's the Shita of Raf, or Shmuel Amar. He says the 30 days has to do with something else. Top of Chesam Beis. What did the 30 days have to do with? <clears throat> He says the nafkamina is the fact that uh, for 30 days, a person who is in, in Avelos can't stop thinking about the mace. Rashi speaks about this as well. Rashi says at the top of the page, that since a person's emotionally so connected to the mace who died within the last 30 days, you must be the If you'd have someone who's giving hespedim within thirty days of the holiday, then they may even be speaking the hesped even during the chag, and that's not right. That's halachically not right. Okay, so these are the two sheets. We saw the sheet of Rav on the bottom that we were concerned that 
uh, people would end up spending money uh, on the safdan. And we have the concern of the top of the page of uh, the psychological answer, as it were, that asks the Gemara, what's the difference between the Shittas of Rav and Shmuel as to why 30 days? Says the Gemara, Nafkamina would be if the Satan wasn't collecting any money. Because under those circumstances, if the person who was being masked wasn't collecting any money, so then there's no risk of, uh, of a family giving over their fortunes uh, you know, after their emotions have been piqued by this person being such a good uh, orator. However, according to Shmuel, his concern applies across the board. It's irrelevant to whether or not the Satan makes money. That brings us to the next mission on three lines down. During Cholamoid, the halacha is Ein chofrin kuchen ukvaros benoid. One is not allowed to dig kuchen, which are burial plots of sorts, as we will see in the Gemara what they are. Ukvaros, other types of burial plots, will distinguish in the Gemara. Benoid during Cholamoid. Aval mechaimchen esakuchen benoid. But we are allowed to adjust uh, as we are allowed to adjust the kuchen in the uh, during Chol Hamoid, the Gemara will discuss this as well. You're allowed to make a nivreches. What's a nivreches? Take a look at Rashi, just to our left, about 10 lines down in the Rashi's Divor Hamaschil, nivreches, maybe a little bit more. Brecha Shel Kofsen. It's a little uh, little small pool of water that one would dig. And that's not considered to be a significant tircha. So you can make the nivreches on the void. Aaron. <clears throat> and you're allowed to make the aron of a mace as long as it's in a chatzah. But Yehuda Oser, you're not allowed to make an aron in a chatzah, unless the boards are already pre-made, but you're not allowed to hew them from a piece of wood. Let's go back to the beginning of the, of the Gemara. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the Mishnah and analyze. My kuchen umay kvaros. The Mishnah had said there were two types of burial plots. There's kuchen and kvaros. Amr of Yehuda, kuchen bechafira. Kuchen were these types of um, catacombs where one would uh, dig basically a, a tunnel or of sorts underground. And it's a tunnel that you could walk in. It was a pretty big tunnel. Uh, and then what would one would do is that if you're walking through the tunnel, so then there was like a cutout here for a mace and then another cutout here for another mace. And then it was pretty large uh, potentially. And you could bury many people, but there was a walkway in the middle with these cutouts into the walls where they would slide uh, the, the mace into. So that's kuchen. Ukvaros bibinyan. The kvaros, um, uh, that is bibinyan. That's not below ground. That's above ground. You're building something like a mausoleum. This poses uh, an interesting discussion in halacha. We have, know that we have a dindo, right? So to bury someone in the ground. So does it mean that they were buried in dirt, but the dirt was above the ground? We have to figure out in the Mephorshim as to how this actually works. Either way, that's a, the distinction between kuchen and kvaros. One is below ground as catacombs, and one is above ground as mausoleums. Tanya nami hachi. We have a brisa that uh, speaks about the same exact idea. Elohim kuchen ve'elohim kvaros. What's the difference between kuchen and kvaros? Kuchen v'chafira u'kvaros bebini. That the kuchen were dug underground, and the kvaros were buildings that were built above them. Aval says the gemara mechan chenesa kuchen. How do we adjust? How do we correct these uh, these burial plots? Amr of Yehuda, Yehuda the Amora says, If what you dug was too long, you could shorten it. And the Masnisatana, not only can you shorten it, but you can even be marich, you can even lengthen it. Marich bo marchit, or you can make it longer and you can make it wider. 
just such an interesting thing to note that this is how we uh, use the word mechanchen. Typically, we use the word mechanich as one who educates. And it has to be the case that there's a, a remez here, that when it comes to chinuch, sometimes you have to adjust to when, when it comes to your chinuch, when it comes to your parenting. Sometimes you have to be marich, you have to be makatzer, you have to be marichir, you have to change based on the needs of the individual. And maybe this is a, a beautiful yesod in parenting. If it's not extracted from here directly, the idea is still right, but it seems like it's extracted from you. The word mechanchen means that we have to customize based on the needs of the recipient. The Gemara says a third of the way down at the two dots, both in the the ones allowed to make these small little pools uh, for laundry. That this is uh, considered to be a bakia. And that's what Rashi had said, that a bakia is this uh, is this place of a uh, small place of laundry. Says the Gemara, the Hatanya, a bakia can't be in a grechas because the Brisa uses the terminologies in the same Brisa. You can't define rechets as bikiyah if they're listed as two separate issues, separate items in a brisa. Says the Gemara, yeah, they are two separate items, but they're two separate items of the same genre. It's one pit, one pit, and then a smaller pit, but they're connected. So this was how they used to do laundry. That's how they let's speak about laundry at a later point because we don't do laundry during Cholomot. Says the Gemara, the two dots of Aaron in We said that one is allowed to make an Aaron in their chater. We've learned this in a brice already that Osin as it relates to a maze and chalamoid, one is allowed to do anything that's necessary. Goes is in losaro, his hairs can be cut. And we wash his clothes. And you can make in a uh, an aron made from boards that will that were already made from before Yom Tov. You're even allowed to cut fresh boards out of trees. That's not a problem. However, in order for that to happen, you should do so bitzina. It should be done privately. Privately besoch beso in this house. New Mishnah halfway down chesim base. Mishnah writes, Endos and Nashim at Bimoid. One is not allowed to marry women during Cholamoid. Lobisulos, Vulamanos, not for first marriages and not for second marriages. Um, not, it's not really the right translation. Not for those who are Basulos, who have never been intimate. Vulamanos, and not for those who have lost spouses. Lomiyadmen, and as well, we don't do Yibum. Why? Yibnesha Simcha Hilo, because that's, uh, uh, that, these are all in the category of Simcha. And we'll speak about this. What's wrong with Simcha? Simcha is a good thing, not a bad thing. Aval, while these previous women are forbidden to marry during Cholamoid, Machzer who Eskushaso, one is remarrying a person, there's less of a simcha there, and therefore he is allowed to marry that person during Cholamoid. <clears throat> a woman can do her jewelry in Cholamoid. Uh, we'll see what that means in the Gemara, not today. One is not allowed to do, uh, to put on this type of uh, cream that would help to remove hair from the body, some type of waxing of sorts back, like they had back in the day. Because it was somewhat manuval, somewhat disgusting. Uh, Rashi here highlights um, right on the left, um, the fourth line in this new section of Mishnayas, about three-fourths of the way down in Rashi's. Rashi says, You cannot put on this type of lime on your skin. It's really very painful to remove the hair. Fine. Says the Gemara, seemingly in a different halachic uh, aspect, the Mishnah concludes, 
you have someone who uh, who knows how to sew, but like very basic, maybe you could put on a button and then something simple. So then Tofer Kedarko, you're allowed to stitch those Kedarko without any shinui. However, <clears throat> if you have a person who's a real expert when it comes to being a, a seamstress or a tailor, they have to be machlev. To be machlev is to make a different type of mm -hmm. knot. It's to change the stitching pattern. Misargenes uh, amitos, one has to change over the beds. Rabiosi Omer, we'll discuss this in the Gemara. That's what Rashi says, that they're supposed to be mematrin, to be matech, means to stretch. We'll see what all this means in the Gemara tomorrow. Says the Gemara, going back to the beginning of our Mishnah, I don't understand. You said that the reason why a person can't get married, <clears throat> either to a basula or to an almana, um, and or to do yibum, that all of these were restricted because of simcha. Asks the Gemara, the fact that there's a lot of simcha, that's a wonderful thing. What is the problem? Why is it that they can't get married because of simcha? Just says the Gemara, <clears throat> So says that uh, person, and some say it was somebody else. And here is a famous line in Shas, and it's a halachic application of this line, and that is, we're not allowed to have a scenario where two simchas coexist. You're not allowed to have the simcha of the regal, coupled with the simcha of a chasna and kala. It's not acceptable. Ein ma'arv in simcha v'simcha. Rabbi Barafuna Amar, that's not true. <clears throat> the problem is an ein ma'arv in simcha v'simcha. The problem is mibnei shemineach simcha z'aregel v'osik v'simcha z'ishto. It's that you're going to be distracted. Ein ma'arv in simcha v'simcha isn't about distraction. Ein ma'arv in simcha v'simcha is a halachic issue of not employing two simchas at the same time. Even if you wouldn't be distracted, it's not allowed. But Rav Huna is uh, positing a practical concern. And that is that you're going to be totally not focused on the regal. You're going to be focused on your wife. And that's normal to be focused on your wife when, right when you get married. It's normal to be focused on your wife in general. But the halachic simcha of the Shevi and Mimish, that's very, very significant. And certainly the day of the wedding. Amar le'abai the Yosef. Ha de Rav, Rav Rav Huna, de Rav the sheet of Rabbi Barafuna that we saw earlier, that is in fact the sheet of Rav, namely the sheet of Eim Arvin Simcha V'Simcha. The Amar of Daniel Barktin Amar Rav, we see that this was in fact uh, quoted by Rav. This idea of Eim Arvin Simcha V'Simcha is actually sourced with Rav. What does he say? Um, How do we know that one should not get married during Chol HaMoyed? And the Gemara responds, he says that's considered to be a marvin simcha the simcha. Ula Amar Ula gives another reason. Ula says the reason you can't get married in Cholamoid is because it's tircha. It's a lot, a lot of work to get married. Maybe not in its most basic forms, but the nice of the way people do weddings. So that's not right. One should make sure that uh, that they're focused on the regal and that they're not going to be involved in something that has tircha. So getting married is not allowed. The problem is that because meals are so expensive to get married and because you're already spending a lot of money on the regal, people would rather hop around and kill two birds with one stone. And instead of making a separate wedding a month earlier, they'll get married on Cholamoy when they're already uh, spending money. That's what Rashi says over here. Rashi is five lines from the bottom. The Sharun is soon the Yom Tov. 
if we allow people to get married on Yom Tov, a person would not get married the whole year. And then they would save money by having two meals at the same exact time. Good. So that's what he says. And then Mesve at the bottom of Davches and the Beis, as we get to the end, we're going to be finishing about six, seven lines down. The Gemara asks, Mesve, hold on one second. According to everyone who says that you're not allowed to uh, get married in a moed, it says the Gemara, Mutar and Lisa, Erev HaRegel. It's mutter for a person to get married on the Erev Regal, on Erev Yomtu. There's no problem with that at all. It says the Gemara, Kasha Lekulu. This, is, this goes against all of the reasons. And therefore, one should be able to get married on Erev, on Erev HaRegel. It says the Gemara, Lo Kasha, that's not true. This isn't a question for all of the people. Okay, now how, how is it not a problem for everyone? According to the one who says it can turn a simcha, ikr simcha chad yoma. I could distinguish and say that the ikr simcha of getting married is only one day, and that would be erev yom tov. According to the one who says that there's a tircha, ikr tircha chad yoma. The main headache of getting married only takes approximately one day. And after that, that's the Ekratircha. According to the one who says that there's a bittal period of Arivia, the people might wait to get married and therefore be Mavatal Mitzvah So then, I'll say good morning to my son. <laughs> so then, according to those who have a concern about, about the bittal period of Arivia, but let's say in theory a person could have gotten married earlier, but now, they're not going to. They're going to wait until Chalamoy. So then, not the whole Gantz world is going to wait for Erev Yom Tov to get married, and therefore it is not a concern. This does raise a very important conversation about the halacha, so period of Rivia, and that is that when is one allowed to use birth control? This is a big shaila in the poskin, and uh, the base, the basic punchline that we need to start with is that pru or vu is a mitzvah saseh shel Torah. No different than tefillin, no different than lulav and esrog. And in order for a person to take birth control to avoid getting pregnant, that's a real shylan postkin that requires one to have a proper hetar. The dogma, we know that a person is a lot obligated to wear tefillin every day, but if they're going to be wearing, if they're going to not wear tefillin, then the postkin say that they have to have an extreme headache and extreme stomach. There's a, there, you need a heterim, you need a hetar mamish. It's not stum to just say, I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in, in to utilize birth control. All of these are shilas and postkin. The starting, the starting point is that one should not be using birth control unless otherwise noted. Uh, and then uh, there, are, there are plenty of times that there are hetarim. Certainly the social, social emotional side plays a very big role in this area. So just as a, an important area that one should speak to postkin chashuvim about this uh, area of birth control to make sure that they fulfill the mitzvah approval properly. We'll stop right here and we'll pick up on that, on that test tomorrow. Wishing you all a beautiful day.